Hi there, this is Dr. Tracy Jones, and today we're introducing our new series titled Throwback Thursday, where we go deep into the tremendous vault to share and enjoy some of my father's tremendous material and speeches. And today, for the next 20 minutes, we're going to hear part one of three of a speech titled A Christian is a Full-Time Minister. And in this, my father brings out some tremendous wit and wisdom like, don't write down a word I say, only write down what you thought as a result of what I say. Also, we may not have the same blessings, but we sure have the same blesser. And lastly, it's not hard being a Christian. It's impossible. So let's take a listen. You're listening to Tremendous Leadership with Dr. Tracy Jones. It has been said that you don't watch or listen to Charlie Tremendous Jones, you experience him. We think you'll enjoy this unique experience that is Charlie Jones in this tremendous session. Ladies and gentlemen, we're going to have a wonderful time as we think together now this evening. But how would you like a great idea right now that will guarantee you'll never hear another poor speaker as long as you live. You'll never hear another poor sermon as long as you live. You'll never hear another dry lecture as long as you live. Wouldn't you like an idea like that? Would you like an idea like that? You're going to get it, and you're going to remember this. Uh, Do you have a pencil? Any of you have pencils handy tonight? Take out your pen. Pen, that's good. Take out your pen. What's your first name? Bob. Bob. Get your pens handy. Get out. Come on, doctor. Get your pen. Here's my idea. Get your, you your, get your pen. Hold your pen handy. Keep your pens handy. Right. Let me have a piece of your paper. No. Hold this. You say, I heard this before. No, you didn't. Now wait for the idea. <laughs> no. You all got your pens handy. Now I'm going to give you an idea right now. You're going to say, Mr. Jones, thank God you shared that idea because many years ago somebody shared that idea with me and I got to tell you that was perhaps one of the most revolutionary things that ever happened in my life. Now some of you are going to say, I have never heard that but thank God it makes sense and I'll do it from this night forth the rest of my life. Now here's your idea. Got your pens handy? Now don't you write down one word I say. You say, you mean you're not going to say anything worth writing down in a whole hour? Not for you. That's going to be my big idea. What's your first name? Bob. Bob, I'm going to prove to you right now, Bob, before all these friends of yours, I'm going to prove to you that what you hear, for the most part, never does you much good. Do you know how, Bob, I can prove what you hear, for the most part, never does you much good? Easy. Because if what you hear would do you much good, you would have to be a whole lot better than what you are, because you sure heard enough, haven't you? <laughs> you ain't a kidding. And I know what you're talking about, because, Bob, all my life I've been drug out to sermons and sessions and seminars, and all I've ever heard is, listen, 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 listen. And the more I listen, the more confused I got. And I finally caught on one day. I wasn't supposed to listen. <laughs> we said, what were you to do? Think. I was to think. And here's the idea. From now on, when you read a book, from now on, when you hear a sermon, from now on, when you hear a speaker, take out your pen 
And rather than writing down what you thought they said, you begin cultivating the habit of making notes of things you think as a result of what you heard. I want to tell you something, Bob, why should you make notes of this meeting tonight? Why should you make notes of what I'm saying when even my own wife don't seem to understand what I'm saying? <laughs> and another thing, Bob, how come you're making notes of this meeting when you didn't read last year's notes yet? <laughs> now listen, Bob. Oh. All right, now here's the idea. From now on, when you read a book, in order to discipline your mind to think more than just listen, you take your pen, you make a few notes on your Bible, in your book. Mm. I, went, I do this in church, Curtis. When the pastor starts preaching, I take out my pen, start making notes of things I think. <laughs> this excites our pastor. He thinks I'm writing out a sermon. Sometime I think he should throw away his sermon and get my notes. <laughs> and then... Going out of church, I shake him up. I say, Pastor, you were really good this morning. You interrupted my train of thought I have a dozen times. <laughs> you know what great preaching is? You know what good witnessing is? You know what speaking good, effective teaching and training is? Interrupting the train of thought. Now, I would like... For this hour to be a, a, a very meaningful hour, and I'll tell you why, what we're going to do. I'm going to share what I really believe life basically to me is all about. Sometimes people say to me, Charlie, uh, why don't you allow more than a 15-second introduction? I'll tell you why. It takes me only 15 seconds to tell my whole life story, so I see no reason why they should take longer to introduce me than it takes me to tell my whole life story. So I will not tell you my life story in 15 seconds, then we'll talk about more important things. Here's my life story. I'm not what I think I am. I'm not what I hoped I'd be. Nor I'm not what I ought to be. But by the grace of God, I'm not what I was. I once was lost, but now I'm found. Was blind, but now I see. That's my life story. And that's everybody's life story who's a blood-bought, born-again child of God's. And the purpose of every evangelist and every missioner and every church, the purpose of every work of God is that all of us might have the same life story. Now, do you know why I love that? You know why I love that simple thought? Nothing tires me more than going to a meeting and somebody gets up and gives their experience and some poor mixed up soul listens and says, Woo-hoo! I wish I had an experience like that. And I said, well, thank God you don't. You drive us all nuts. <laughs> because see, the friends, the Christian life is filled with experiences, but thank God the Christian life is more than an experience. It's being right rela related to God and Jesus Christ. Yeah. You see, I'm grateful for experiences. But you know what I like to tell my children? I like to tell the kids that if God took back every blessing he ever gave me, if God promised to never give me another blessing as long as I live, if he let me just keep one thing, that I know him and I know he knows me, that's more than I ever dreamed I could ever know. I never got over that. So sometimes people say to me, Charlie... Glad you came to our church. Would you tell us a little bit about your blessings? No, no. Never talk about my blessings. You know, why not? Well, of course, I know God blesses. Oh, what a God of blessing we have. But I tell you why I never talk about my blessings. You see, I found if I had told you about all my blessings, you might get jealous that I got more blessings than you got. And you'd go away mad. 
Or you'd wait outside there for me tonight. And when I came out, you'd tell me about the blessings you got. And I'd realize you got a better blessing than I got. And I'd go away mad. <laughs> now, folks, we didn't come here to go away mad. That's why I guess the Lord wants us to talk about the blesser. You see, there's one thing I know tonight. We may not all have the same blessings. But I know one thing. We can all have the same blesser. So Paul said it best, I determined to know nothing among you save Christ and him crucified, and my only ambition that I might know him and the power of his resurrection. I love to talk about my blesser, because everybody I talk to can have my blesser, which is far more wonderful than any blessing God ever gave anybody. Now sometimes people say to me, Charlie, how about talking about gifts? Oh, today people are talking about gifts, and we love gifts around our church. Oh, good. Well, I'm sorry. I never talk about gifts. Well, why not? Why not? Well, because you see, if I, of course, everybody has gifts. You know, God gives us gifts. And as the Bible says, it's nothing wrong to desire spiritual gifts. So that settles that. But you see, I also know that in the body, there's a foot, there's a hand, there's a leg, there's an elbow. And I know that there is no one part more important than the other part. It's only really important that we're a part of the body. And we know who's the head. So who's going to brag about who's got the special part? You see... I'm glad that I never talk about my gift. Because, see, if I tell you about my gift, you might feel bad that you didn't get as good a gift as I got. Or you'd tell me about your gift, and I'd realize I didn't get as good a gift as you got. You know, I never talk about gifts. You know why? Because it's much more fun talking about the giver. We may not all be the same, have the same gift, or be the same part of God's work, but we could all have the same giver. Mm. How you say, well, Brother Jones, how about healing? Oh, God, thank God. I love to hear about healing. I never talk about healing. You say, why not? Well, we know that God heals. He heals slowly, instantaneously. He heals. A Sometimes he chooses it the way he heals it. It doesn't look like he healed. But we know one thing. By his stripes we're healed. We know God's a healing God. But you see, I know this. I know some people love their loved ones so much. And I know that God does not choose to heal the way a lot of people want him to heal. I would never talk about the healing of my family. Or they're not healing. You know what I love to talk about? My healer. Jesus Christ, the healer. Amen. How good it is to know the healer tonight. We may not know the healing. But you know what I say to God when he and I talk together? I say, Lord, if you ever give me a blessing that excites me more than my blesser. God, if you ever let me get more excited about my gift than the giver. God, if you ever let your healing excite me more than the healer, my Savior. Oh, God, may you take away my gifts and my healing and my, and my blessing. Amen. Because, you see, A.B. Simpson said it best. You know, when I first got saved, I, had, I don't think I ever heard many hymns. And when I heard, maybe as a boy I heard them, but when I heard Amazing Grace as a Christian, every time I ever heard it, even now, my eyes get wet. Because, you see, it's not just song, it's not just music. It's the truth of my heart that never gets old. It is amazing grace, amazing grace. But I found a better hymn than amazing grace. You say, you couldn't. I found a better hymn, and you're going to hear it. Here comes my new favorite hymn. I still love amazing grace with all my heart. I still get wet when I sing it and hear the music. But here's my new favorite hymn. I discovered it many years ago. It's called Himself. All the Christian bookstores have it. And here's the way it goes. Just one verse. Once it was the blessing, now it is the Lord. Once it was the feeling, but now it is his word. 
Once his gifts I wanted, but now the giver own. Once I sought for healing, and now himself alone. All in all forever, Jesus will I sing. Everything in Jesus, and Jesus, everything. Well, dear friends, I've got to tell you this. There have been a lot of exciting things in my life. But i got to tell you, just knowing the name of Jesus Christ is real dwarfs every other blessing I could ever imagine. And so when people tell me about getting something more than Jesus, I'm, I'm baffled. What more can there be than God in Christ? Now, some people say to me, well, Charlie, how much of your time do you spend for God? How much of your time do you spend for God? You hear that, you know? And I say, well, don't ask me silly questions. I wake up in the morning for God. I go to work for God. I go to sleep at night for God. I wake up in the morning for God. Now, how do I know which is which? How do I know which is which? I don't know which is which. And uh, then some people say to me, well, um, is it hard being a Christian? No, it's not hard being a Christian. It's impossible. Because, see, Christ has not asked me to live my life for him. He's asked me to surrender my life and present my body that he might live his life in me. Unless he does that, it's impossible. And so I like to just remind people that everybody is a full-time minister. See, I come tonight. Now, I'm not a full-time worker. See, Curtis is a full-time worker. Dr. Robertson's a full-time worker. The Christian school teachers are full-time workers. But you say, well, what are you? I am a full-time minister. You say, well, what training have you have? I've been ordained. In the 15th chapter of John, it says, you have not chosen me, but I have chosen you and ordained you. So in March of 1950, I received Christ. And the moment I was received Christ, without even knowing it, I was ordained to go bear fruit. And I didn't have nothing to do with it. And before I was ordained, I was bearing fruit, the wrong kind of fruit, the other kind of fruit. Then, when I was born again, immediately, a work began that I didn't even know about it. So once in a while, a guy says, I do so little for God. I say, thank God for that. The little you did almost ruined us. We'll get that over. Now, so quit sucking your thumb. You say, well, I am so unworthy. That's why God chose you. Now, shut up. You think he would have chose you if you would have been worthy? He would have chose you. But anyway. So I'm glad that you're laughing now because many times you need to think and see things in perspective. And then, you see, now for example, I was going out of Lee Robertson's, this is 20 years ago, 25 years ago, they were a missionary banquet. And a young man was there and uh, smiling. Now when I see people smile, that encourages me because you don't see you know, many people smiling. You know, they're either crazy or something's wrong. Maybe he's out of will of God. He's so happy. But anyway, <laughs> but you know, a deep, a deep spiritual Christian, they'll never be happy. <laughs> no, I'm spiritual. <laughs> but you know how they act. I, I'm a little facetious. I know that. But this guy was smiling. I said, and I said, why are you smiling? To give him a chance to say, I thought he was going to say, I am a Christian. I said, well, why are you smiling? He said, I'm going into full-time ministry. I thought, one of these birds. I thought, I'll fix him in a hurry. I said, what are you going into? He said, I'm going into full-time ministry. I said, what? He said, I'm going into full-time ministry. I said, what have you been in? Don't you know if you're not in the full-time ministry? Before you go into full-time ministry, 
You won't be in the full-time ministry when you get in the full-time ministry. <laughs> we need people going in the ministry like we need another hole in the head. You don't go into the ministry. You receive Christ, and the ministry begins in you, Christ in me. And it's we are his workmanship working on us and through us to accomplish his good purpose according to his will. So, I became a Christian. I'm a full-time minister now. Now, I wish God would call me to be a full-time worker like Curtis, but God, now he may, but that's not important. The number one thing is important that I realize there's nothing more wonderful than his ministry, God's ministry in Christ and me. No work ever compares to the joy of Christ in you. And if your work ever excites you more than him in you, then I pray God will deliver you from the work. The day I became a Christian, I was in the insurance business. I took out one of our insurance policies, went right home, took out an insurance policy. All of you got them, I hope, tonight when you came in. And I put, took out all our company's provisions, and I put in Bible verses that that truck driver gave me. And so when I see people, uh, business people, I tell them, we're full-time ministers. Now, if you're a bread man, you should handle the bread of life. If you're a farmer, you should plant the seed of the word. If you're a banker, you should handle the unsearchable riches of Christ. If you're a real estate man, you should handle heavenly paid-up mortgages. Now, I was an insurance man. So I immediately, without knowing what I was doing, I just realized I'm not a pastor. I'm just a Christian. But somehow or other, by God's grace, he helped me see this word so I could be converted. I'll make up an insurance policy and give it to people. And so they can know about this Savior mind. So I call it the Eternal Life Insurance Company. People say to me, what's your business? I say, my father is the president of the largest insurance company in the whole world. We are so big, we don't even have any salespeople. Once in a while, you're some mixed up person in their doctrine and say, my, ain't he a great salesman for God? That's a lie. God has no salespeople. He has nothing to sell. All he has is free for the asking, whosoever will may come, press down, shake together, and running over. Now, our, our company... Our company has a rate book. Now, the rate book is the Bible. And every insurer gets a rate book. Now, it's all fine print. But you don't have to worry about this fine print. Because every insurer gets the Holy Spirit to blow up the truth so you can see what you need to see, just what you need to see. Now, we also have a full line of policies. We have a full line of policies. We have term insurance. That's the kind you had to die to win. A lot of Christians have that. However, we have also whole life. We have whole life too. And we have a conversion clause in all of our term policies that let you convert your term to whole life and enjoy it right now before you die. Huh? So once in a while some sinner will say to me, well, I'm not afraid to die. I say, of course, you're not afraid to die. You're already dead. Now listen, you need the word of God to let you know you're dead so you can come back to life. Now we pay dividends 24 hours a day. Our assets are inexhaustible. The more you draw, the more you realize you had, you wouldn't have known you had till you drew what you drew. It's like grit that keeps gaining on you when you eat it. <laughs> Grits is the only food, the more you eat, the more you have left on your plate. <laughs> Lord, I tell you. Now, now, when I tell people about this policy, they say, 
There must be a catch to that. Yes, that's right. There is a catch. You have to be a sinner to qualify. No good people are allowed. Because they give me two of them. <laughs> hey, folks, you know why I'm so grateful for this privilege? You see, I've been learning this about being a witness. And I guess, Curtis, that's why I was attracted to you when I first met you. You can't try to be a witness for Christ and be a witness. You know what happens to people who try to get saved? They all go to hell. Because God didn't die for me to try to get to heaven. He died that I would surrender my heart and yield my will and, and yield the right away to him to do what he let me born to him to do. You see, you can't try to get to heaven, get to heaven. You can't try to be a witness, be a witness. Because you see, just like he paid it all to come, he pays it all to follow. You know, trying to... It's like trying to be a better husband, trying to be a better wife. You can't be try to be a better husband, be a better husband. The better you try to be a better husband, the more you learn to act like you're a better husband. You ain't a better husband. You're just a better actor. And she don't like that now. I hope you enjoyed that. My father was a life insurance salesman who was deeply in love with Christ. And he was introduced to Christ when he was a young agent with the Mutual of New York Life Insurance Company. And that eternal life insurance policy that he came up with was a result of his conversion. And we still sell it. It's still available on our website at TremendousLeadership.com. And one of the lines that my father uses is, God has no salespeople because he's not selling anything. Everything that he has is for free. So we still get phone calls and letters from people all over the world that share how this tract has touched their life. In fact, one lady called us several weeks ago and said for 30 years she has been trying to hunt these down, and she finally found it. So we're so blessed that people are still seeing value in the eternal life insurance policy. So please get on Tremendous Life, uh, TremendousLeadership.com and get a copy of 100 of them, and we'll get them shipped to you, and orders over $100 shipped for free. Thank you so much for listening. Thank you for listening to Tremendous Leadership with Dr. Tracy Jones. Find out more about Dr. Jones at www.tremendousleadership.com. If you've been ignited by something you heard in this episode, let us know by leaving a review for Tremendous Leadership wherever you listen to podcasts or by sending us a message through www.tremendousleadership.com. This podcast is a part of the C-Suite Radio Network. For more top business podcasts, visit c-suiteradio.com.